Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Before we start part two of Ryan's interview, I just wanted to give you guys this little update about the Buy Me a Coffee website that I joined. Um, I got my first donation today and um, I had a really rough day personally. So I was sort of in this grumpy mood and I checked my email when I got home and I had this message and it it actually like totally made my entire day so much better. And I wanted to share it with you guys because this is what I do this for. And through all the the hate comments I get and like the ridiculous text messages and, and people coming on posts and, and being bullies to my followers, this sort of stuff that I get like this makes it all worth it. So I just wanted to share this with you guys. Hey, Roberta, I'm loving your podcast. So happy you decided to start one. I've been anti-MLM since 2016 after I realized how predatory they truly are, especially to my people, stay-at-home moms. They make moms prey on one another under the guise of making mom friends because they know stay-at-home moms are intrinsically lonely. It's beyond disgusting to me. And while I've never been a part of one, I've had enough people in my life who I respect get sucked into them and spew out the same shit that was falsely projected onto them because they felt trapped and unfulfilled. So thank you for fighting the good fight and sharing the message that MLMs are not the answer to the very underserved world of mental health in motherhood. So thanks. You uh, totally made my day. Enjoy part two. Ryan, it's like you're reading my notes because my next point (laughs) is the hierarchical uh, structure and the institutionalization of both the Mormon church and multi-level marketing is that hierarchical like structure of being a better better churchgoer and and moving up the ranks and and moving up the chain the same way you do in multi-level marketing so that is something that you're taught from a very early age that this is the structure of things and as you are more blessed and 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 achieve more you move up the structure um Mm -hmm. so can you elaborate on that with your experiences yeah, this one's a tough one because I, I do think there are parallels. I don't know that there are as many parallels as some non-Mormons would have you believe. There are parallels. Um, every one of the parallels in this category, I think, are subconscious. In Mormonism, there is a ladder. There is a hierarchy. Almost to a 100% degree, I can say you are never going to hear a Mormon outwardly say that they're looking to rise up the Mormon hierarchy. Right. It's just something that happens as you're a good person, right? Yes. Now, does that mean there aren't Mormons that want to? Of course, there are Mormons that want to rise up this, but they, they, they are conditioned in a way to never say it. And in fact, you will often and frequently hear, especially Mormon men, because pretty much the hierarchy is exclusive to Mormon men for the most part. 
you will hear them say, oh, I don't want that. I would never want that until, you know, it I happens. Don't and then they the say, bishop. I that humbly like accept. So much yeah. extra work. Yeah. And then when it happens, they, you know, they quote unquote, humbly accept. And, and humbly look, for some people, it. yeah. Yeah. For some people, they, they may never, uh, they may truly, like, I, I, I can comfortably say I never wanted that. But I also can say that I was never, I don't think I ever would have been a candidate for a bishop. And not because I was like a bad Mormon, but I just didn't fit the mold. Like, I wasn't like a strip, scripture hawk. You know, I wasn't like in class quoting scriptures and, and I didn't have like talks and scriptures memorized. Like I, that just wasn't me. I was a full believer, but that just wasn't part of my personality. So the chances that I would have ever been a bishop, whether I wanted it or not, was very low. Okay. Um, but, um, but the reality is, is you know, we can't know what's in a person's heart, whether they truly want it or not. But the reality is, is when you do have some power, even if it's like, you know, pretend power inside of a religious building, you know, over people like, oh, I, I can now tell you what to do and how to act type of thing. Um, it, it, look, people do enjoy that. Okay. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, there the is a rush. That, in MLM there is a rush that there is a yeah, there is a rush that comes with sort of people listening when you speak. And I've experienced that at different times in my life where, you know, and, and even like as part of like Mormon leaks, where I mean, I've gone and I've been invited to give talks at places. Um, and I, I, I remember one time I went to give a talk at a place and I'm like, yeah, there'll probably be like 30 people, maybe. Like if, like if there's 30 people come, I'm going to call this a success, right? There was over a hundred people that came and to the point that it was like standing room only in the room. And every person was completely glued on every word I had to say. Now, did everything I had to say was like super, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think I gave a good talk. I think it was interesting, but I don't know that it, I guarantee you there were people in that room putting more importance on what I said than I wanted them to. And, but it, it does feel good. Like, am I seeking that kind of thing out? No, but that does feel good. So it's only normal to sort of feel that sort of, Hey, you know, people think I'm doing something good or important, right? That's part of human nature. And so there's this subconscious idea, right? That of course we want to have that importance. And the other thing, here's something that I'll, I'll bet you a lot of your listeners haven't ever thought of. In the Mormon church, when you look at the religious leadership structure, I'm not talking about their corporate structure of like the businesses that the Mormon church run, because obviously those people make money um, and nobody assumes that they don't. But within the religious structure, the lowest level that they start actually earning an income with is going to be at mission president and above. Now, your Mormon listeners will understand what I'm saying when I talk about those levels. And even at the mission president status, it's not technically receiving a salary, but it's more of a situation like where like every one of your needs are paid for by the church, including Christmas and birthday presents to your friends, right? So literally every to aspect. To your friends? Oh yeah. Like that we, uh, I will sort of as a personal plug here, my website actually exposed a lot of this stuff for the first time. Um, we exposed the, the pay for people above Mormon mission president, which are called like general authorities. We, we actually were the first uh, uh, organization, uh, media organization, or really website at all to, to provide definitive proof of how much these people make. Okay. Now, and then the mission president one, there's some stuff that we released on that as well. Some of it was already out there. Some of it, we provided some enhanced information on, but yes, for mission presidents, when you're a mission president, which is a three-year assignment, basically every aspect of your life is covered, including 
sort of um, incidentals and um, sort of recreational things, and including, and it's even outlined in the guidelines of what the church will pay for. And, and in there, it specifically says birthday and Christmas presents for family and friends. Okay. So That's it can be incredible. Included. I will yeah. link that exact article in the show notes so that people don't have to go yeah. like digging around. So um, that's incredible. Yeah. So, but, but even setting aside mission president, when you get into the general authority and above, which we actually pr- published the proof of their, their pay. And actually we only published the proof of their base pay because they all have different responsibilities. And so they have different pays on top of that, depending on what they do. <sighs> wow. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting at. These people that make money on the religious side of Mormonism from a percentage standpoint are probably comparable or even a smaller percentage of what of the percentage of people that make money in an MLM. And so, you know, we're talking 1% or less. Right. And it's actually, it's actually <laughs> probably way less, actually. Okay. But what I was getting at is all these other leadership positions that are at the more local level, like, and I'll use some words that Mormons will recognize and others probably won't, but just know that these are like religious leaders at the local level, stake president, their counselors, bishops, their counselors, young men's presidencies, young women's presidencies, Relief Society presidencies, all of these religious positions that depending on what they are, you're spending hours and hours of time dedicated to, especially like bishops, it's almost like a full-time job but you don't get paid. You're not getting paid. You're not even getting reimbursed. Okay. So you have to have a full-time job, which also, by the way, means that most bishops are well off because you got to have a pretty well-paying job for you to be able to then dedicate another 40 hours a week to being a bishop. Okay. But here's the thing. They're conditioned to say, oh, you know what? There's nothing wrong with working 40 hours a week as a bishop because, uh, and not getting paid for it because I'm doing a good thing and I'm contributing to this good thing. And whether they realize it consciously or subconsciously, there is always that possibility that they'll get up to that next step and eventually get into that one where it pays off. Because these general authorities, not only are they getting paid for what they're doing, they're even when they retire, which they actually have an age where they're sort of forced retired, I think it's 76. I think it's 70 years old or something. They continue to get a very healthy sort of pension. Like a pension. So, so they're basically a church set pension. The, wow. Yeah, they're basically set for the rest of their life. That's where your tithings so, go, guys. Yeah. There you go. So listen, I want to be very clear about this. You are not going to find a Mormon that tells you they are working towards that. Like you will in MLMs. In MLMs, you will, they will overtly say they're working towards that. But they are whether they realize it or not, they are participating in a system that has taught them that it is okay to work for hours on end for, for no for nothing, pay, for nothing, for nothing. Right. And while other people at the very, very top are getting money. Now that, which helps. is the MLM structure, which it, is literally so the helps. same structure. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. And it, it helps them justify. It's like, well, yeah. Okay. In Mormonism, I'm doing this because I'm working towards my salvation. They might say that. In MLMs, you're saying, yes, I'm willing to do this because I'm working towards getting that, you know, whatever that top earner status is, that that (laughs) Lexus, the million dollar club, or which is really, you know, obviously it's not even really a, usually it's not even mean you made a million dollars, usually means you sold a million dollars worth of product, but you know, you get my point, right? So there's that mindset where it's like Mormonism has a similar mindset that can be easily adapted into the MLM version of that mindset. Right. And do you also think, um, and this is a really good point as well, is 
is just the naivete of people that are in Mormonism that don't have a lot of outside experience with things. Again, this hierarchical structure of the church and the MLM looks very similar. So why would it be a scam? Like this, this looks very comparable to me. Um, the, The very surface level answers that you're giving me for my very basic questions make sense to me. Um, again, with mm-hmm. the church and with multi-level marketing, there isn't a lot of like, okay, that sort of makes sense, but I have more questions. Like, it's sort of like, there's the answer. Here's a cookie, go sit on the bench. Um, yeah. And so you see that as well uh, in both of these structures is that yeah. I'm just going to work because I'll get, eventually it will pay off. And I, I'm just going to put in these hours because that's what I did in church. And now I'm the so-and-so of the blah, blah, blah. And it worked for me there. So why wouldn't it work for me here? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you will see, listen, for your non-Mormon listeners, um, and, and don't fall into the trap to thinking that this is exclusive to Mormonism. It's more pronounced in Mormonism, but this is a common commonality between, common commonality, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but between religions and MLMs. Like, basically, if you look at religious people in general are more likely to get sucked in MLMs. And this idea of working for little to no pay as you're at the bottom rung of things is a common theme within other religions as well. And so I do think this is something right. you can see, even though it's more pronounced in Mormonism, I think you, you can see this in other, especially evangelical Christian um, religions. Yes. Religion. Well, it's ingrained from birth. Yeah. It's just yeah. something that's taught. This is part of it. This is how it works here. And so you assume it works outside the same way. Incredibly interesting. Um, so another thing that, that my research led me to was um, Dallin Oaks and his sort of uh, him talking about multi-level marketing and these get rich quick schemes. And one of the um, quotes that I, that I wrote down because I was like, oh, here we go. Um, it says success and prosperity are rewards for keeping the commandments and a large home and expensive car are marks of heavenly favor. So like we're saying, that, yeah, uh, I know I was like, dang, I'm right. No, it doesn't down. surprise me, but, but it goes you know, right into that whole like, a, money as have, a blessing. Do you by chance have a year on that quote? when he said it um i'm just curious recent like within the last couple years maybe 10 years i don't know is he still the president no he's not he's never been the president but he is like number two he's like the number two guy um i can find the website yeah read the quote for me one more time so he says dallin oaks Mm -hmm. success and prosperity are rewards for keeping the commandments and a large home and expensive car are marks of heavenly favor he said that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I believe you. I don't, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not doubting you. It's the only thing is I, I, I can't remember the, the first part of the quote sounds very sort of like, I've heard that a lot. Okay. The the other part of the whole cars and things of that being, I, I cannot remember the last time I heard somebody of his stature within the church say something like that. I'll have and to find the date. Think, I don't know when it is. Yeah. I can look it up really quick. I'm curious um, to know if that was something that he's, because he's been in a very high position of power since like the late seventies. So this dude, you know, who knows when he, he could have said that back in the eighties and he still would have been one of the top people. He wouldn't have necessarily been the number two, like he is today, but he would have been one of the top guys even back then. Um, so I, I would be curious because, you know, one of the things the church has done in the last five to 10 years is they have tried to put out some messaging to curb this problem. Now, I would firmly say they have not gone far enough and they let this problem fester for so long that, you know, they do bear some responsibility. You found the quote. What's it from? I did. So um, it was from a 
2KUTV like interview or something. Um, but he also, it's excerpt from pure in heart, which is something that he did. This article is from 2018. It says the following is an excerpt from elder Dallin H Oaks book, pure in heart. So I guess this is in his book. Okay. Um, let me see when pure in heart was written. And he's, it says president Oaks tackles why Mormons fall for get rich quick schemes. And so I think that him saying, okay, so I think he's saying, wait, yes, he's saying that he was saying why, why people fall for Jewish Right. Teams, that's or? why he's saying people fall for them because of that whole money as a blessing that it yeah. looks like favors from heavenly father. If you have a fancy house okay. and a fancy car kind of thing. Okay. So he does kind of sound like he is sort of, it sounds like, and I haven't read the book. I just found it on Amazon and I'm trying to see what year it was published. And I'm not really seeing that as I, as I briefly uh oh it was published in 1988 it was, it was there we go ago. so there we yeah. go so that's why i always thought it was but you know it is possible that he was sort of without um without disparaging the prosperity gospel sort of saying how it can be bastardized into sort of people falling into quick get rich quick let me say this though uh, about the church and, and and these issues and, and speaking on it they're they've been very late to the party and if you look at any quote that i've seen in the last, let's say, 10 years, where any top leadership has said something against multi-level marketing, and, and they would tell you that they have, by the way, and a lot of Mormons who are against multi-level marketing will have these quotes in their back pocket to show you. The problem is, is if you really look and read these things, they're, they're done in such careful legalese that what ends up happening on a functional level is that every MLMer looks at them and says, oh, they're talking about every other MLM, but not mine. Okay. They don't, they are not specific enough. They're not forceful enough. They're not direct enough. It's always these sort of like vague, beware of get rich quick schemes, but they never identify the characteristics of a get rich quick scheme. And so look, just like nobody who's a member of a cult raises their hand and says they're a member of a cult. Nobody who's participating in a get rich quick scheme and says it's a get rich quick scheme. And so, you know, I do believe for all of the um, blind eye and turning of the cheek that the Mormon church as, a, as an institution is engaged in, in, in terms of MLMs, any type of uh, attempts that they've engaged in to address the problem have fallen way short. And if I may just give another personal experience that, that this happened early on in my discovery of MLMs. Um, and as a, this happened to me as a believing Mormon, um, this is one of the things where I think the church has fallen short. They have actually promoted purveyors of these MLMs, owners, founders of these MLMs in some cases to very high levels of leadership, which even though might not be an explicit endorsement of their MLM is an implicit endorsement. And an example here that happened in Las Vegas, and this would have been in the uh, roughly 2003 to 2006 date range. Okay, Um, I referenced before mission president, that's a position that's sort of one of the high positions in the Mormon church, and it's a three year assignment. And you go somewhere that's from not where you live and you basically you are in charge of the missionaries in that area. Right. So in Barcelona, where I was, we had a mission president here in Las Vegas. There's a mission. There might be two missions here in Las Vegas. I'm not sure they've changed around. But, you know, there each mission has a mission president. And I lived at the time in a ward, the, the buildings that you see, the Mormon buildings usually have multiple wards that attend that building. And so 
in one of the wards that attended the same building as my ward was the mission president here for here in Las Vegas. His name was Wadsworth was his last name. I don't remember his first name. You can look him up. Wadsworth. Ducky. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm but just kidding. He, he was, and I, I guess is, because I think the company is still around, the founder of an MLM called Tahitian Noni. Yes, Monavi. Uh, no, 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 not Monavi. They did rebrand called to a company called Morinda is what they're oh, called now. Yes, yes, yes. Morinda. Okay, okay. Morinda. Okay. They're so still around. There was like, yeah, there was like five guys that were the founders and he was one of those five guys. And if you look on their website, I guess he was like the scientist. I don't know what actual kind of scientist he is or isn't. I really don't know. But he was supposedly the scientist, and I'm using air quotes because I don't think people are looking at the video, but he was like the scientist that discovered the the medicinal properties of the Tahitian noni fruit, I guess, right? That was his role in founding the company. Which and I think is just acai berries. I don't even know. I think I've it heard, is. I've never tried it, but I've heard it's disgusting and hard to stomach unless it's diluted. And one of the things about the Tahitian noni, it was, it was very much not diluted. It was like almost like a concentrate. You were only supposed to drink like a little shot glass of it at a time or something like that. Um, but uh, it was very big back in the 2000s. I think it's dropped off on, in popularity, but it was a very popular MLM in the mid 2000s. And this guy was a multimillionaire because of it. And, you know, often mission presidents are people who come from wealthy backgrounds, right? And um, so he's the mission president. Now, again, I've never heard of Tanisha Noni. And even if I had, I really don't really know much what MLMs are or even that they're scams. What happens here is... Uh, a common thing among Mormons is you invite the missionaries to come over for dinner because they don't have a lot of money, right? So you invite them over, you buy pizza, you make a special meal for them. You know, it's like a thing that you do, okay? And so we would occasionally have, you know, once or twice a year because they, they usually pass around a sign-up sheet around the ward and so people sign up. And so usually like once or twice a year, you, you, you're having the missionaries over. And so we would do that as well. Now, when he was the mission president, uh, there were uh, two occasions that I can remember where the missionaries came over to our house for dinner and they were telling us about their mission president. And he's the, this great man, founder of Tahitian Noni. Now, to be very clear, they were not pitching in any way, shape or form Tahitian Noni. They weren't. They were simply talking about how, look at this great man and how blessed he is. Okay. And this great company, they, they literally looked up to this man as this spiritual and secular giant, somebody who had made it as a spiritual man and as a businessman. And God had helped him in both ways. And they got free unlimited Tahitian Noni as missionaries. And they were, they would take it every day as part of their regimen, right? And they were telling us that now, again, in not in one moment, did they say, you guys should look into this and see if it's for you. They never said that, but they didn't have to. They were, all, they were just instilling in us that there was this Mormon who created this great company. And if I ever came across this company in any other context, I would likely sort of say, oh, I, I've heard about this. In fact, I play basketball on Tuesday night, which this is true, with that guy, the founder's son, which is true. We would play basketball. The guys would get together on Tuesday night at the church, play basketball. And he had a son who was like 17 or 18 years old who would come and, you know, school us older guys <laughs> on the basketball court so it was like i would make those connections this is affinity fraud in action they're not doing right. it like wow. overtly but it's all and, and and here's the thing 
The Mormon church, the people that run it, these are very smart people. They know. They know that these are scams. And as far as I'm concerned, this is a complete dereliction of their duty to put a person like that in, in a, such a position of power. Because it's the even same if that thing. Person... Yeah, it's yeah, the same thing ahead. I see with doctors that sell Prove It and Plexus and hairstylists yeah. that sell Monate and yes. Unique and things like this. If, it's, I, unethical. I, it's, it's unethical. The end. Yeah. I, it's yeah, unethical. And... And so listen, and this Wadsworth guy is, I, I know, is not the only example. This is just an example that happened to me in my personal life. And this was a big trick. Now, listen, to some people, they look at this and they say, okay, they maybe start questioning their faith. I never questioned my faith in the Mormon church because of this. I, I was disturbed by it that the top leaders would see fit to put this person. Because I was starting, this was around the time where I started to really see the, I was starting to see the scam aspect of it. And this was a big propeller of that. But I, I kind of thought, well, this is, so I kind of thought this was a one-off. This must have been a blind spot. They made a mistake. I found out later that this was not quite, this was, you know, there were other people that were similar to this guy that were put into similar positions of power. But I, I, at the time, I didn't realize how pervasive this was. But anyway, long story short, the Mormon church has fallen short um, on addressing these issues from a cultural standpoint. And you know, who knows why they do. I mean, there's all kinds of speculation. Obviously they have a lot of adherents that, that are in, a lot of people would say, well, it's because they don't want that tithing money to dry up. I don't think it's that simple because the church, as much as they do want you to pay your tithing, they don't need the tithing. That's another thing that my website has proven. <laughs> you know, we've proven that the, the first people to prove some of the massive wealth that the church has. So they don't really need the tithing. Uh, yes, they do want you to pay tithing, but I think it's more of like the more members they have, regardless of the tithing that gets paid, the more power the church has, okay? And, and the more legitimacy the yeah, church I was going to say, but, the more legitimate it seems. Right? It's a legitimate religion. And so they don't want to, just like a politician will try to tailor their message to the masses, the Mormon church tries to tailor their message to the masses of their people. And so because their masses, statistically speaking, are at least, are, whether they're participating in MLMs or not, they're at least um, amenable to MLMs. They're they're going to be they're going to tread lightly and they're going to put out legalistic statements that can be interpreted sort of in many different ways. Wow! So uh, this I'm going to segue because one of my next things yeah. and you've already mentioned his name and you just mentioned politics again um, and okay. I love to expose the MLM side of politics because it's bipartisan and it's everywhere. Um, Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. So Mitt Romney who was a presidential uh, nominee and I believe is still in political power. I don't, I don't follow everybody. He's a senator. He's, He's a, a senator. senator. Okay. Senator of Utah. There we go. That's right. Okay. Hey, <laughs> so there's a mother Jones article. It was an expose that came out in 2016 about multi-level marketing and Mitt Romney. It was called get rich quick profiteers love Mitt Romney and he loves them. And it's by Mother Jones. Robert Fitzpatrick is quoted in it. Um, I read and skimmed through it last night and took some notes. Um, but it's very interesting to me because in Ponzinomics, Robert does talk about this and he exposes it. The, the article, which I will link uh, in the show notes, exposes it even more, like even deeper. So if you read his research and, and his footnotes and, and, and his end notes, he, he puts this article. But it's incredible how much... Um, MLM based Mormon like contributions were made to his campaign. 
that I don't think a lot of people know. Um, another thing I try to expose is, is the DSA and how much money they do put into politicians and how these politicians are owned by multi-level marketing. And that's why these uh, these cases never see criminal. It's always civil. The FTC can't prosecute criminally, which is a, a huge disservice uh, completely. Um, but so I like to really expose this. And again, like, I don't care who you voted for and who you like or whatever. These are just solid facts that if you are someone who's voting and you actually care what your voice is, that you should just know these things and, and be a little more informed. So Mitt Romney actually got two secret $1 million uh, donations. Uh, and when they, when mother Jones looked into it, they were actually from new skin. Uh, they were traced back to new skin and they were like, oh, we just did it for tax purposes, not because we were hiding it, but it was like a company within a company within a company that all the addresses linked back to new skin. Like we found all the LLCs with LuLaRoe because all the addresses are the same. It's like, come on, people right. use a different address. It's very easy to figure out where you're from. <laughs> so um, Stephen Lund, who is the executive chairman of the board um, of new skin. He's worth $46.2 million and he donated $1 million to Mitt Romney's campaign. He's the board president of New Skin, um, as well as the co-founder of Zengo, who was his campaign finance director. That's Gordon Morton. Gordon Morton was his campaign finance director. Um, Then uh, another MLM founder, which I believe was unnamed. I I couldn't find it. uh, an MLM founder gave over uh, $500,000 to Mitt Romney. And then another founder, who's the founder of Melaleuca. Hey, again, Melaleuca. Uh, Frank Vandersloot, he was the finance chair and donated $1 million from his um, personal funds to uh, Mitt Romney's super PAC, which is called Restore Our Future. So yeah, we're now getting millions and millions and millions and millions and yeah. millions of dollars from the Look- owners of MLMs to Mitt Romney's campaign. Well, listen, I, I, I think, I don't know this for sure, but, uh, you know, if on one, if on one hand, you know, we have this sort of religious endorsement, uh, implicit or explicit uh, of MLMs, um, there is on the other hand, you know, this uh, political enabling, which is, you know, brought to you by donations and and that kind of thing. And I, I do think that this is going to be, if this were really looked into, and there's probably other articles about this too, is this isn't so much a Mormon thing as it is just a political thing. And Oh um, yeah. yeah all all and, across the board, everybody, Republicans, the Democrats, reason, all of them. The re the reason why MLMs are able to exist in a legal framework is 100% at the feet of politicians. And for an in-depth analysis of this, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. I would recommend it starting with um, the podcast, the dream, which I'm sure you've listened yes. to. Yes. And, and Robert's on the this. dream as well. Yeah. And I think that's a great, sort of introduction to the political aspect of it. Um, and then you can deep dive from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, p- uh, mostly it seems like a lot of Republicans, but do not let the Democrats off the hook on this one. I promise you, if you look deep enough, it's, oh, it's the Democrats I'm sorry, and the Republicans. I'm sorry, is an Herbalife yeah. sympathizer, so. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. So um, you, you, the political donation, I mean, the most glaring example of recent history is, you know, Betsy DeVos, who is part of the Amway family, married into it, becomes the Secretary of Education with literally no qualifications other than being a super donor. You know, so these are the kinds of things that help enable and keep 
MLM stuff legal. And, and, and if you listen to the Dream Podcast and other ones who do deep analysis on the political aspects of this, you will find that there have been times in history uh, in the 80s, mostly, I think, where, where, where the, the legislative body of our country has had opportunities to shut the door on these predatory practices, and they did exactly the opposite. And so um, the, the reason why these scams and frauds are able to operate within the law is because the, our, our, um, our politicians have left loopholes open that are in some cases so vague that it, it's it's really in, in, easy to fly. I mean, you have to be really stupid. It's like literally just a legal that, argument yeah, and like, who, can, who Lula, can argue uh, it better? Yeah, a lot of people look at like what's going on with Lula Road. I don't want to get into all the details of Lula Road because I'm not super versed in it, but a lot of people look at all their legal problems that they're having and they're like, why isn't this happening to other MLMs? Well, it's because Lula Road is one of the few companies that's stupid enough to not follow the, the rules because the rules are not that hard to follow and still be a scam and not get in trouble. Lula Road is just not very good at it. Okay. And that's why you're not seeing these other companies get in trouble to the extent that LuLaRoe is getting into. And, and, and our politicians, listen, I wish, I, I, can, I can offer solutions for the religious problem. And I think I can offer pretty practical ones. I can't offer you one on, on the political one because it's a, yeah. it's a machine no, it's, it's that would probably take decades and generations uh, and probably not be solved in our lifetime, barring some sort of you know catastrophic event that none of us would be able to foresee. I do think it is still valuable if you ever get an opportunity to have an audience with any of your local or na or federal politicians to voice these concerns and you know look for ways to get this done but but do it in a way to where you know it's it's like going and playing craps at the casino you know try you know go for the experience and you know if you happen to win it's great yeah but you're probably not going to win anything right and there's actually um, uh, a 95% loss rate with gambling and a 99.7% with MLM and if that doesn't tell you, well, there you go. right there like if that doesn't tell you anything right there, like yeah. I don't even know why uh, I even have to have this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah. Addressing the problem um, from a more boots on the ground perspective, and 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 I'll probably will get to this here as we wrap up. But addressing the problem from a cultural and boots on the ground perspective is going to be much more effective than trying to get laws passed that 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 shut it down. Um, so, but yeah, the politics is 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 a big problem. Um, it doesn't, I didn't know about the Mitt Romney connection, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, and I know, um, what's his name? Uh, there's another former, in fact, it's the guy that Mitt Romney took the place of who was a senator in Utah for like decades, Orrin Hatch. Orrin Hatch, yeah, I would say Orrin yeah. Hatch as well, yes. He, he was the, uh, Mitt Romney took his spot, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And Orrin Hatch basically just retired. He was, he's been, he was in the Senate since like the 70s and um he was involved in a lot of legislation that was favorable towards both multi-level marketing and the um nutrition supplement industry yeah to, no, to, I think to the, reduce the, their uh regulations i think the biggest issue that um i have with mitt romney taking pyramid scheme money is that um romney has always claimed that he's committed to the middle class and in my research of how multi-level marketing is run and what it does to the middle class, because it's, it's mostly the middle class that join these, um, 90 to 95% of Americans um, who are struggling, which is the middle class, um, it's, it's the same demographic that multi-level marketing preys on. 
So right. he's claiming to want to be this champion of the middle class while then also enabling these businesses to destroy the middle class by taking campaign donations from them and um, allowing them to have any sort of political say as a corporation, which I just think is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I'll say this, and I, look, I, I don't, I, I, to be, to try to be charitable to, to a Mitt Romney or any other politician that gets donations from these people, I personally and more would be more concerned with issues that they've actually voted on. Okay. Yeah. Is it important to look at who donates? Of course it is. And and of course there's a, a really high chance that these kinds of donations would influence um, votes, but I'd, I'd be really curious to know what is it that they've actually voted on? Because I do think that an argument could be made, even though it might not always be true or even rarely true, an argument could be made that, hey, listen, uh, my politics in general line up with the politics in general of this person, and they donated all this money because they believe in my politics in general, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to vote uh, in their favor all the time. Now, that I, again, I would look to see if something like that has borne out in their votes. And with Mitt Romney, I honestly don't know. I don't know what right. he has I don't, I don't or know hasn't either. voted on. So I would be more curious because I think that there's probably, there's likely politicians that have voted on things that are favorable for the MLM community without even receiving millions of dollars from them. (laughs) So I I would really be more curious in in, in terms of that. Mitt Romney has, has only been a Senator. I mean, he's in his first and only term that he's ever been in as a Senator. So I, I I am not going to lay a lot of the blame for MLMs at the feet of Mitt Romney. Right. No, of course not. He's just one tiny pawn in this giant chess game of politics and MLM. MLM and the founders of MLM have been woven into our political fabric. It's yeah. To your point, it's they're 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 woven together just like religion and MLMs are woven together. These are two heads of the same beast. Absolutely. You know, and these massive political. Um, institutions of power like big tobacco and big pharma and Hollywood and the military industrial complex, big pyramid goes right in there. They're all buddies. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. 
Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly, nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but they're still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts Registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Um, and even with like, these newer political campaigns and these newer political donations in the beginning, the, the, the DSA, it was really mostly funded by Amway, but with mm-hmm. in the newer now new skin is, is, is funding the DSA and being able to give these donations to these political. So the base of big pyramid is widening and their political influence and power is growing. And so big pyramid, I like we, that. <laughs> yeah, big pyramid. That's what I call it. Big pyramid. And so we really need to just, we've got to talk about this stuff. It's just, it's very insidious. Um, I know that has nothing to do with Mormonism. And yeah. really, no, the reason I brought up Mitt Romney was because he's a Mormon and because he, Mormon, he got yeah, yeah. so much Mormon support from these Mormon yeah. MLMs. Um, another famous ML, uh, Mormon that we'll talk about, and then we'll wrap this up because I know you have things to do. And so do I was John Taylor who passed away in 2018, but he was an author and a consumer advocate and an educator who was the person that examined um, all these MLM businesses and all their income disclosure statements and came up with those figures that we use to this day that 99.7% of people lose money. Um, And he was a Mormon and he got a lot of, I'm sure he got a lot of flack for coming out with that research and exposing these things. Um, So yeah, anyway. So yes, um, any any other thing that you want to talk about before we wrap this all up? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there is one other aspect that I think gets overlooked. I, I've, I actually have talked about this one time on another podcast a long, long time ago. So people happen to have heard me on that. This may ring a bell, but I, I'm sure most of your listeners didn't hear me say that. So 
Um, there is a, a, a real issue, I think, that with um, the oils, you mentioned Young Living early on, and then there's also like doTERRA. Those are the two big ones. I'm sure there's probably other uh, MLMs that, that dabble in these sort of uh, oils or uh, this could probably, what I'm going to say could probably apply to any MLM that deals with a sort of some sort of healing product. Okay. But let's focus on the, the oils because I think this is something that gets overlooked. Now, this is not an idea that I came up with myself. There are other Mormons, both believing Mormons and former Mormons like myself who have seen this connection. So I don't want to make it seem like this is something I discovered or anything like that, but it is overlooked. In Mormonism, just to give a little bit of a background context, there is uh, a thing in Mormonism that's called, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right terminology here. Um, a blessing of health is sometimes what it's called. Um, sometimes it's just a blessing, a healing blessing. There's different sort of terms that Mormons would maybe refer to it, but what I'm specifically referring to is there, if you are sick, and this could be anything from a cold that won't go away to, you know, you're on your deathbed dying of cancer and anything in between. Okay? Anything that's happened in the last year, right? So COVID, coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or is that, does that get you demonetized or something? I don't know if you're like, I don't COVID. know, but it's, it's okay. worth saying. So I don't even care. Yeah. Yeah. So any kind of physical ailment, it, it, broken bone, right? It doesn't even have to be a disease, broken bones, right? A car accident where you're bleeding profuse, anything, right? There's this idea that you may, as a Mormon, you will ask for a blessing. And what happens is the blessing has, the blessing is where it's, you, they use this olive oil. It's, it's got to be olive oil. I think technically I want to say it's supposed to be extra virgin, but I don't know that that's like really enforced strictly, but it's got to be olive oil. And it has to have been, there's a term they use. It has to be consecrated olive oil, which what that means is that at some point uh, the olive oil has been blessed. Okay, and I've done this before. You take a you take a jar of olive oil, a vial of olive oil, whatever it is, and there's this like set blessing, certain words you're supposed to say, and then all of a sudden it becomes consecrated for the purpose of these blessings. And uh, you put the 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 person. It's supposed to be given to you by two people, um, although in a in a situation of emergency it can be done by one person. But it, it you know when it's done by two people, they put a drop of olive oil on the crown of your head. The first person, oh, there's a term for this. And again, I'm, I'm blanking. I think they call it uh, anoint. The consecration is what they call it. And they say like the set words to like anoint the oil. And then the second person gives you the actual blessing. Okay. And typically the blessing is something along the lines of, we, you know, we want you to get healed. And there's always, usually people will throw in a caveat of if it's God's will, right? Because that's sort of the, in case it doesn't work, you know, you can say, oh, well, it was God's will that they died of cancer. But, you know, th this blessing of like healing blessing. And by the way, I've received these blessings and I have given these blessings, okay? Um, and Mormons, there are Mormons who legit believe that these blessings will heal you. Legit heal you. No doubt in their minds. There's other Mormons that, that see them more as symbolic and, you know, they help you foster maybe a positive mentality, which, you know, whatever, there's a little bit pseudoscience there, but there's definitely Mormons who believe that this process has literal healing power. There are unverified accounts of this, like people being paralyzed, people being able to walk after getting these blessings and, you know, all kinds, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy nonsense like that. Okay. You have to be a man to do this blessing. Okay. What? 
you have only men can perform this blessing, not receive. Anybody can receive the blessing. But in order to put your hands on the person's head, you have to be a man. You have to be a man who holds the priesthood, which means you have to be a worthy, you know, you're a Mormon, for, for lack of a better thing, you're, you're a Mormon following the rules, a Mormon male following the rules. So if you're, uh, let's say you're a single woman, you're at home and you have coronavirus, right? Which people are dying from. You can't like call your best friend who's a Mormon and a woman to come and give you this blessing. You have to call one of the men in your church to do it, okay? And they'll come over and do it, by the way. Let me take this another step forward, uh, further. You're a single woman. No, not a single woman. I already said that. You're a single mother. You're a single mother, okay? And you're your kid. And this applies to all parents, but imagine in the context of a single mother, you see your kid is sick. Nobody, you know, right? It brings tears to your eyes to see your children suffering from anything, okay? And you believe, you truly believe that a blessing will help them. You have to call your leaders and have them send somebody over. Okay, you can't help your kids in this way that you truly believe will help them. So think about that sort of groundwork that we're laying here in the context. Again, I'm talking in the context of somebody that truly believes in the healing power of these blessings, not somebody who thinks they're symbolic or doesn't believe in them at all. But in the context of, of, a, of a woman who especially who has children who believes in these, she cannot help her kids. And now she can with doTERRA or Young Living Oils. Oh, my God. So she can step she can, the whole church she, she thing can, she and can just do anoint it, at home. She can do it without sort of breaking any of the religious tenets of this has to be because this is not the consecrated olive oil. This is another method, but it's also using like you're ingrained in your idea that this oil has magical powers. And it's administered by men. Now you can administer it to your children. And I am convinced, you cannot convince me that this does not play a role in the popularity of oils among Mormon women. Oh Mormon women, God. if you go on Facebook, and again, this is all subconscious, but if you go on Facebook and read the posts from Mormon women who are dabbling in young living and doTERRA, it is all about healing their children. That's almost exclusively what the message is. Wow. I'm telling you, it's because of this, whether they realize it or not, this natural yearning for them to want to participate in the spiritual, magical, mystical, religious healing of their children the way their husbands can. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. Again, yeah. wasn't raised this way. So not even an yeah. inkling of something I would even think about. That is an incredible. And they don't realize it either. That is an incredible uh, point that you make. Oh, wow. I am going to definitely be paying closer attention (laughs) attention. to those recruitment posts for those oils and looking Mm -hmm. for those religious buzzwords and those, those like little guilty buzzwords. Like, don't you want to be better? Don't you want to heal your kids? That's another thing that bothers me with those like guilt, but wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is 100% cultural thing cultural and a hundred percent subconscious i can assume it's across many religions and not just mormonism as well i'm sure there are i'm sure there are but none of these in the context of mormonism i can't speak for other religions but in the context of mormonism i can all but guarantee you that none of them are consciously making this connection but listen you know and i'm gonna go out and you can tell me if i'm wrong on this but because you're a woman and i'm not but i truly believe that every single woman whether they realize it or not 
wants to be equal to men. And I don't mean equal in the strength and the, you know, the physical, I'm talking about right. they want feminism be, and equality, of course, in the, in the sense that if I'm a woman and I want to have a job, I want to have the same shot as a man does. If I'm and the a woman same and pay. I, right. right. And so if I'm a woman and I, I want to be able to heal my children, just like my husband can again, wow. how predatory is even, that? I think even the women that don't realize that consciously subconsciously feel that. And so I think that that um, is one of the reasons why these oils have so much success. And other oil companies and even some of their rep will tell you to their blue in the face that they don't make health claims or whatever, but we all know they do. We've all seen them. They I've personally seen do. them. They've got books and pamphlets that tell you which oils to take for asthma and which ones to take for whatever. I think they, even they the do. company themselves has like literature yeah. that they give out. There was one that, that, that went around a, a while ago that was like yeah. domestic violence, like just use this oh, oil. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> are we joking now? Right. Mood alter. These are essentially mood altering oils, which I've definitely, I've never seen the domestic violence one. That's a new one for me, but I have seen the sort of mood altering ones where it's like, this is for calm you know keep keeping you calm and uh you know just rub it on your feet ang- i'm like what yeah. right right rub it on your feet you know what's funny is i i think this exists in other cultures too but in my my wife is from spain and in spain there's this old wives tale that if you have a fever you put cut up onions in your socks and put the socks on and it sucks the fever out of your body I think there's some other cultures that believe that too, but that reminds me of putting the oils on the feet. Oh yeah. No, it's totally, (laughs) it's all this like old school, like medical stuff. The more, a a lot of Mormons see this. So a lot of believing Mormons see this connection that I talked about, and they will even go as far as to label these oil activities as being um, what's called priestcraft. Priestcraft in the Mormon context would be like, Okay, let's say that I'm a Mormon man and I'm worthy, right? I'm allowed to give these blessings, right? I'm, I'm, I'm sanctioned by the church to go around. If somebody asks me for a blessing, I'm allowed to do it. Priestcraft would be, I am not authorized by the church to oh, give these blessings, but okay, I do anyway. Okay. And, I'm doing and, it and, anyway. Okay. okay. And, and I'm maybe even doing it for money. Okay. Right. right. So like a snake oil where, salesman. Right. So right. They would look, okay. a lot of active Mormons look at this uh, uh, oils business as priest crap, right? They're engaging in these healing, you know, you're trying to heal somebody with oils. And on top of that, you're, you're probably charging money for it. And so a lot of active Mormons see this connection. Not a lot don't. Um, but I believe oh. the connection there, it's part of the reason why Mormon, it's just one of the many reasons we've talked about, about why Mormon culture naturally lends itself for people getting sucked into these scams and especially women getting sucked into these scams. Um, again, subconscious or not, it's there. And here's the solution. And, and this will be maybe my, my, my ending salvo here. Or if you have any other questions, that's fine too. But, but how do we fix this problem within Mormonism and without, you know, outside of Mormonism. But the, I think um, just like I cannot, convince a believing Mormon that the Mormon church is not true, like their religious doctrines. I can't do that. Right. Um, they, they have, that has to be done if ever on their own. Okay. On their own. And so when I'm criticizing, like when I'm criticizing, like if somebody Googles, if somebody here, a Mormon here is like, who is this Ryan? I'm going to Google his name. Right? You're going to Google my name. And yes, my name is all over Google. And you can read what I've written and said about Mormonism. And yes, it's been very critical. And I, by the way, I pretty much, you know, 
I, I believe I stand by everything I've said. Maybe I, I don't know that I can't, nothing comes to mind that, that I would say, well, I regret saying that. Okay. So yes, I am a critic of Mormonism, but I, I, I don't ever, whenever I've criticized Mormonism, it's never been because I think, oh, if I say this, I'm going to convince all these Mormons to leave the Mormon church. It's never been what it's about. Okay. And you have to have for the Mormons, non-Mormons, ex-Mormons, whoever's listening to this, that's the same kind of mentality you have to have going into this. There is nothing that you can say, no matter how right you are, about the critic about uh, in, in criticizing MLMs that's going to wake a person up outside of some rare exceptions. The better approach is to form principles in, for yourself that are rooted in anti-MLM, not supporting MLM, and to stick to those principles. And, and, and again, uh, criticizing MLMs may be one component of that, but other components of that that you must stick to is you must not patronize or you know, support financially MLMs, even if it's a family member or close friend. So when you have, it's, it's sympathy buys is sometimes what they're referred to. I think this is very powerful in, because a lot of times, especially early on, the, this, the make the, the um, one of the deciding factors in, in a person getting rooted into an MLM or not is how much participation they get early on from family and friends. Because if they can get some, some significant participation from family and friends early on, they can make a little bit of money and then they think they can just continue to make money. And even though the family and friends will eventually dry up, they think they can recreate that experience somehow. So they, they're constantly chasing that initial success. Right. So when you exactly. have a family, yeah, when you have a family, a friend come to you and say, hey, I'm starting a new business. And maybe you know they've been struggling financially and, and they're truly, maybe they, you know, they're true believers in this MLM. You could find the way to do it tactfully and respectfully. Do not purchase. No sympathy buys, zero, no matter how bad you feel for them, okay? Buy them groceries, make a car payment for them before you buy anything. Don't, because I think a lot of times you think, well, I could pay this person's car payment or I could maybe help support their business. And it's kind of like that mentality of teach a, teach a man to, uh, give a man a fish or teach him how to fish, right? And, and you think, well, if I support the LLM, I'm teaching them how to fish because I'm helping them, no. You're much better off giving them a fish by paying their car payment and being done with it, okay? Because in, in this content, in this case, so do not come up with a script. Cut it off. The best thing to do is to cut this off early because the more you entertain the idea, the harder it is. Like, okay, fine. I'll buy this, you know, 30 bucks. What's 30 bucks? You know, I'll go ahead and do this. And then hope, hope, hopefully they'll never come back to me again, which is not going to happen, by the way. They are going to come back to you. And eventually it's, it's going to collapse. This is not only the best way to get them to, to come out of the MLM. It's also the best way to preserve your friendship. Be up, yes, listen, yes. even though it's hard, people respect upfront and honest most of the time. So say to them, listen, you're my friend. You're my family. I love you. I support you. Generally speaking, um, if, you know, I wish you all the success. I'm not going to participate. I, if you want to know why, and by the way, this is what I tell when I get messages from friends who are Mormons are like, hey, why'd you leave the church? Or can you tell me a little bit more? I, I will sometimes will say to them, I, in fact, almost every time I'll say, listen, I'm happy to tell you all the reasons. If you really want to know, okay, go ahead and ask me specific questions. I'll ask. But just, you know, know that in general, I'm okay with you being a Mormon and it doesn't have to affect our friendship as long as you don't allow me not being a Mormon to affect our friendship. And so that's the approach you've got to take. 
you can be an MLMs all you want. Just don't bring it into my sphere when you're in my sphere. I won't bring my MLM, MLM element into your sphere while we're in your sphere unless you ask. That's the place to start. And if you lay those boundaries out in the beginning, it can have a long-term and lasting ripple effect, especially if a lot of the people run. So, so that's rule number one is do no sympathy buys. No sympathy I buys. I completely agree. You know, and a, and a great yeah. thing to say is just, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that you found this new hobby. Unfortunately, I don't support multi-level marketing and I wish you the best. You don't yeah. have to call them stupid. Don't, go into tell- a, don't send them links. Yeah. Unless don't. they ask for it. Unless like they ask. Can, exactly. Yeah. And you can, the most I would do if they don't ask, the most I would do, and I, I would even not do this unless they ask, but the most I would do is say, if you would like to know more specifically why, I'm happy to tell you that. But at this point, you know, there's really no reason. But yeah, don't send links unless they ask, okay? Because it's not going to help until they're ready for it to help. And and those of you that are listening that have been through the MLM cycle know exactly what I'm talking about already, just like Roberta does. So I'm mostly speaking to the listeners that have never really been in MLM, that maybe they just have a lot of family that are in MLM. Um, And so, yeah, so that's number one. And number two, in the Mormon context, so since we're kind of talking about Mormonism here, if you are a Mormon um, and you have somebody who is engaging in what you would consider to be predatory behavior in the ward, and some some specific examples that I've seen is, um, you know, somebody in the ward loses their job, word gets around, they're looking for new employment, whatever, and then you see the local MLM pusher, pull them aside and be like, hey, you know, I got a great opportunity for you type of thing. Report that to the bishop. I know that's like, you know, I'm not going to be, it's not none of my business. It is. This is against church policy to be soliciting these kinds of things in church. Okay. And sometimes these people go as far, if you find out that they're using the ward list for mass emails, report it to the bishop. Okay. Because the bishop can say something to these people. Now, is it going to work? Is it going to, no, but it can at least be a step. Don't be afraid to report this off the line. Now, if your bishop happens to be married to one of these MLM pushers, which is definitely possible, take it to the stake president. Okay. All right, go, up the the chain. go up to go the up chain. Go up the chain until you find somebody who understands what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> you, this is not snitching. This is not tattletaling. This is protecting your people. Yes, this is absolutely 100% protection. Okay. And there is, a, there is an actual formal policy in the Mormon handbook. Um, it doesn't address necessarily MLMs, but it does address using church activities and the church list for business and political activities. And I would argue that pulling somebody aside at church to pitch them on a job would be it. Now, if, now, now look, there is some gray lines here because obviously we're sometimes we're friends with people at church right? But here's the thing. So you might call your friend, you heard about a church that they lost their job, and you might call them after church and say, hey, buddy, you know, this is somebody you hang out with outside of church. That's fine. But the thing is, is if you have that kind of relationship with somebody at church, you can do that outside of church. You don't have to do that in the hallway at church, okay? When you do it in the hallway at church, it's because it's probably somebody you only really interact with at church, and that's where the problem is. So don't be afraid to speak up. And, And on that note, we all know the Mormons in the room here. We all know that even though MLMs might not specifically come up in, in the different Sunday school classes or, or meetings, they come up at least in spirit. Fi- uh, uh, multi, uh, not multi, um, 
get rich quick schemes or financial pitfalls. Do not be afraid in appropriate moments when they're talking about these things to raise your hand and remind everybody of the pitfalls of multi-level marketing. It's not only 100% appropriate, but it is supported by official statements by the church. Have these statements ready on your phone about avoiding get-rich-quick schemes. We all know they're talking about MLMs. Find the, don't, I'm not talking about out-of-turn opportunities. I'm talking about when these topics come up, raise your hand and be a voice and talk about this negative aspect of Mormon culture and stick to your guns. It's hard to do. I'll be the first one to recognize this is hard to do, but look for opportunities to do this, do it respectfully, do it generically without calling anybody out. You can even do this without saying, I've seen a lot in our world. You didn't have to say that. You can just say, I see it a lot on social media, right? You can just say that, right? Everybody in the room, mo listen, most Mormons are not into MLMs, okay? They might not all recognize how bad they are, but most Mormons, you know, there's a lot of Mormons. It's a very vocal minority of it's a very big minority but i still think it's a minority okay um and so you know don't let these very vocal minority people bully you into thinking that this is a norm that should or needs to be respected within mormon culture it doesn't just look at it tactfully and never look at it like okay uh i know you know sister jensen has been doing this i'm gonna say something to try to wake her up don't if you approach it like that that's where you're going to fail. This is more when we have general, you know, the topics, again, the Mormons in the room know exactly what I'm talking about, where there's general discussions about principles of culture and doctrine that help us move forward within the religion or within society. And these are opportunities you can take to, to, to speak up and say something. So those are the biggest two things. Oh, and the other thing I would say is this, and this likely is already applies to the Mormons in the room, but if it doesn't apply to any of the Mormons in the room, listen up. Figure out a way to separate this negative aspect of Mormon culture from your identity as a Mormon, because that is where a lot of these pitfalls come in this idea that if I can, if I or Roberta or anybody else criticizes the MLM and Mormon connection, that we are by default criticizing the tenets of Mormonism. And that does not have to be the case. I can criticize the, 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 the connection between Mormon culture and and MLMs without criticizing the tenets of Mormonism. And on a different day, we can we can I can criticize tenets of Mormonism. And those are two completely separate issues. And the proof of that is the fact that I did that as a believing Mormon. Before I was associated with Mormon leaks or anything that was critical of Mormonism as a religion, I was a vocal critic of Mormon connection to MLM, and I was a believing Mormon. So if you have any doubt in your mind that that, that, that can, can be done, work on that. Work on that. Find that headspace where you can be comfortable criticizing this aspect of Mormon culture without feeling like you're criticizing the religion. It can be done. It takes a little bit of work. Find that space and live in it. What incredible takeaways. Yes, I agree with everything you said. And again, like to reiterate from the beginning, like this is not a criticism of Mormonism. This is not a criticism of people that follow the LDS religion. I love so many of my friends that are Mormons. It's not a problem. Again, it's, it's what your beliefs are. We are exposing multi-level marketing and the scams and, and, and the atrocities of these and how they relate to other topics. So I appreciate 
your incredible perspective. Um, yeah. Everything that you said, I, I'm just sitting on here on mute because I'm trying really hard to not interject <laughs> all the time and I'm shaking my head and I'm giving him thumbs up and I'm clapping and yes, a, a, a incredible. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning. It was daylight yeah. savings time today. So both of us were kind of yeah. a little late. I was like, oh no crap, I forgot. Um, so thank you so much for getting up early People- and talking to me. People should, I, I don't, does this get posted in forums where there's like public comment or is this just um, sort of like a audio podcast on a podcast app where you just listen? So to yeah, it? so it is an audio podcast. I'm found everywhere. A lot of people listen on Apple, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do post this in, um, sometimes it shows up in anti-MLM groups. Sometimes it okay. shows up in, you know, on my page, I post it right. there as well and on, on so- Instagram. So it the is reason posted publicly. I, so the reason why I say that is because, and I and I appreciate the kind words and you saying that you agree with everything and I believe you that you do and and uh, um, that's all fine and dandy. But fact check to the people listening. Fact check everything I'm saying. Push back if you feel like. It. Let's let's you know let's engage in a in a, you know in a debate of the ideas and the concepts. If you think that I maybe misrepresented, I don't think I misrepresent anything. But if you think I did. You know, say in the comments, let's, because uh, we need to advance this conversation. We need to improve on the way we approach things. I, I think I've done my part to a, to a degree to help move that forward. But I think that we can all get better, including myself. So I would say, um, if you do agree with me, that's awesome. And I, and I love it. But don't be afraid to maybe put in the comments like, well, you know, he said this and, and, you know, maybe he didn't think of this. And if I see the comments or I'll try to, you know, I'll try to, follow them and engage with the people but like let's have let's keep this conversation open and let's not fall into the trap uh and i don't think roberta would ever do this but let's not fall into the trap that 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 mlm people do of like you know haters are gonna hate you know look maybe i'll agree maybe i won't but i want to hear people's pushback i like the pushback it keeps me honest it keeps me on my toes well, that's awesome too. So yes. Um, also, I don't know if you have Clubhouse, but I feel like you would love it. We talked about those fake gurus at the very beginning. <laughs> you you know you what's have funny? It yet? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. I thought it was like an alternative to like a WhatsApp. I don't, I have no idea. No, it's basically but... <laughs> like live audio. So it's like okay. phone radio shows. Like really? I, I use it on, on Sundays. I, I'm about to pop on and do one. Yeah. I do an after show on Sundays and we, and it's, it's just anti-MLM chat and you can invite people up well, on stage. I and guess talk. I'm going to have to check yeah. it out. I had well, no I idea. Well, I finally just got invites. I had no idea. So I will okay. gladly give you one of my invites if you're, if you're right. interested give in this. It's, an, it's a very interesting place. And another, um, another rabbit hole for me to go down. I it guess is, like, it's incredible. Yeah, I literally, it's so I think you would be such a great voice though. Cause you have okay. so much right. knowledge. You would be <laughs> such a great voice, especially in these fake guru rooms. where like bringing down like oh. JT Fox and like uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Grant Cardone John and using Scientology Grant, and things John like that. Uh, it's incredible. There's a there's an Asian guy. Last name is Locke. L O K. I can't remember. Dan Locke. He's a, another one that fake guru. That's like one of the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's He's interesting. Pro- they probably so talk about him. On we there. can talk okay, about cool. that I will check after that this. I'll, 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 I'll message you about it later. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, like I just I said, like if you're on Clubhouse, maybe, maybe. find me. Okay, <laughs> like my anti MLO friends are like, Roberta, why aren't you on Clubhouse yet? And I like said ah for like a month, and now I'm on it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I can I talk? Like, let's do a talk. Let's, who wants to join me? Let's have a, a discussion. It's it's um, it's really fun. It's like live podcasting. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Anyway, right. 
this has gone on so long and I appreciate your incredible (laughs) perspective. Um, If there's anything that comes up, I would love to have you on the show again. We can talk about different things. Um, You're such a great resource. I will link everything we talked about in the show notes. Um, And this is going to be a big, huge bonus episode. So people can just sit and listen for two hours, you know? Okay. Well, they, hopefully they, um, they stay engaged. I, hopefully. I, I think you have such great information that if anybody <laughs> is actually interested in the, the LDS MLM connection, that this was a fantastic yeah. talk um, and respectful. I am, I am, de- I am, I am in the process of designing a YouTube channel. It's going to be a little bit of, it's going to be MLM related, but it's going to be a little bit different from these types of things. I am trying to create something that's somewhat unique so i suppose pay attention for that i hope i'm able to get it off the ground so maybe people well when that is up and live let's have you back on the show and promote the crap out of it because that's incredible we need even like a male perspective we need more male perspectives in this movement yeah so i even i even appreciate just your male perspective on this side of it i mean you're a minority in this industry so it it is important that we we share that voice um and i do have male interviews with survivors, male survivors coming up. So that's also really exciting. That's and the cool. ways that they are like targeted, it's, it's, it's just so insidious and incredible. I'm just like, what? I'm so happy yeah, that yeah. this podcast is doing well and people are listening and we're actually making change because it's, and, and it's thanks to people like you and your expert voices that come in and talk to me and then we can actually educate, educate, don't hate. Right. And so we, yeah, no, I, I we better every that, day. Andy. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ryan. You're incredible. Um, and, and we'll talk to you soon. I can't wait to hear about your YouTube channel. I'm all about okay. it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.